0: I'm going to define the daily grind as this. It's us doing the same routine day after day after day. And in our outline, there's a Bible reading there from Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and in verse 9 it says this. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Even the Bible seems to say the same thing about our daily grind. It's the same old, same old routine, day after day after day. And so our question is this, well, what's the point of it all? What do we gain? Where's the joy? How can I find meaning in my daily grind of life? Now, if you look at your outline, see there are two parts to my talk. Part A, what does the daily grind feel like? And part B, what we can do about it? So let's answer our question now by going to the first part, part A, what the daily grind feels like. And here I've got two things to say. Number one, every day feels just like the day before. Every day feels like the day before. We wake up at the same time, brush our teeth at the same time catch the same train, same time, same platform, same carriage, same people around us and get off at the same station. We work at the same place, sit at the same desk and go to the same place for lunch, usually the desk, the same desk. And we have a mundane, repetitive routine. We do the same things, we go to the same places, we fill the same role day after day after day. And if every day feels exactly the same, sooner or later it becomes numbing. A few years ago I broke my arm, so I had one arm in a cast. And it's a problem having one arm in a cast because you've got to do everything one-handed. So I couldn't write because it was my left hand that I had to write with now. You can't put toothpaste on a toothbrush with one hand. And you can't get toilet paper off a toilet roll with one hand. You go... Like that. Another time, my wife Stephanie broke her arm, and she had one arm in a cast, so she couldn't do her hair. It was my job as her husband to do her hair every morning. I had to put a scrunchie on her hair. Now, gentlemen, just let me tell you this: it's much harder to put a scrunchie on than you think. Uh, women make it look easy, but it's much harder to put a scrunchie on someone's head. But doctors will tell you there's a bigger problem with having your arm in a cast. After a while, because your arm has been in exactly the same position day after day, your arm begins to waste away and you get pressure sores, which you don't feel because you've become numb to it all. And it can become the same with us. Day after day, doing the same thing, we begin to waste away and we become numb to the traffic, the commute, and the fact that our life is going nowhere. And most of us function then on autopilot. We sit on the trains on autopilot. We eat at the same places like zombies. We work at our stations like robots. And did you notice I just use words like autopilot, zombie, robots? They are dehumanising words. There's something very dehumanising about our daily grind. So that's the first thing about the daily grind. Every day feels like the day before. The second thing is this. We never seem to be getting anywhere. In Greek mythology, we have the story of Sisyphus. And Sisyphus was condemned to roll a big stone up a hill and then watch it roll back down a hill. And then he had to do it all over again. And that was his Punishment from the gods. And the idea is that if we have to do something over and over again, sooner or later it becomes pointless and futile because we're not getting anywhere. We're not gaining anything. We've just had New Year's and we've all made the same New Year's resolutions. This year I will exercise more, I'll take up a musical instrument, I'll learn an exotic language, but then The year will end, and sure enough, we haven't done any of those things. And then next year will come, and we'll make exactly the same resolutions. Years come and go, but we don't seem to get anywhere or gain anything. We are the same person we were last year, and the year before that, and the year before that. About five years ago, my wife and I finally bought a home, we'd been renting until then, but now we've bought a home, so we're locked into a 30-year mortgage. And each month we put a little bit into the mortgage, but it doesn't seem to get us anywhere. Month after month we make our payments, but the mortgage doesn't seem to get any smaller. Despite our daily routine, we're not getting anywhere, we're not gaining anything. And that's what this Bible passage seems to be saying in that chapter 1, that first chunk in our outline. This is what it says. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes ever returning to its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the seas never fall. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its full of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. The writer of this passage, Feels our pain. So that's what the daily grind feels like. Every day is like the day before, and we don't seem to get anywhere or gain anything. So let's come to the second part of the talk then. Well, what can we do about our daily grind? And here I think the Bible reading suggests two things we can do. There are two keys to surviving the daily grind. Key number one, enjoy the moment. Enjoy things for what they are. What if we just reframe how we see the world and it's okay that things stay the same day after day, year after year? When I was in high school, after high school one day, a bunch of us guys, we hung around a park afterwards and we're just sitting around in the park doing nothing. Then a man started running around the park and he was just doing laps, going round and round in his running gear. So being high school boys, we stationed ourselves on a corner of the park and we formed a cheer squad for him. So every time he came around, we cheered him and we clapped and hooped and hollered and he loved it. he passed us with his arms up in his mock celebration. And it was a moment we enjoyed and it was a moment he enjoyed. But hang on, he was just doing laps. He didn't win any race. He wasn't making any net distance. He was just running round and around and around, not going anywhere. But he was in the moment and he was enjoying it. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, a key theme is this, and I owe this observation to a Bible teacher who's taught me the Bible called Kirk Patston, that we need to reframe how we see the world. Learn to enjoy the moment for what it is. It's a gift from a good God. And don't make any more or less of this gift from God. So when it comes to our daily grind, we need to reframe how we see our daily grind. Enjoy the moment. It's a good gift from a good God. And don't make any more or less of it than what it is. I have three boys Toby, Cooper, and Jonty, aged eight, six, and four. And at night, I read bedtime stories to them. And often they just want the same story over and over again. This is what they want. They want the bike lesson. They go, we want the bike lesson. We want the bike lesson. And I'm saying, no, no, no. Let's do something different. They go, no, no, we want the bike lesson. We want the bike lesson. Yay, it's the bike lesson again. They see routine as something to be celebrated. They are happy hearing the same story over and over again. In their childlike innocence, they see wonder and beauty in routine and repetition. I'm a public speaker, and it's funny how, as a public speaker, I'm not allowed to give the same talk over and over again. So if you turned up next week to hear me speak, and I gave you exactly this same talk, you'd be booing, boo, boo, get off, get off. We've heard that. It's the same old talk. But if I was a singer like Bruce Springsteen or Taylor Swift... And I did the same song over and over again. You'll love it. You clap, you cheer, you hoop and holler, yeah, we love that song. Yeah. You'd know the words, you'd sing along, and you'd keep asking for the same songs over and over again. You don't want the new stuff. Last month Cold Chisel toured and a nurse from work went to hear them and I said, Well, how were Cold Chisel? And she said, "Ah, oh, they did all their new stuff. We just want to hear the old stuff. Singers have the opposite problem to us public speakers. Singers want to do the new stuff, but people want to hear them do the old stuff over and over again. So there's wonder, there's beauty in routine and repetition. So here's a funny thing. Us humans complain about routine, but deep down we actually thrive on routine. We want it, we look for it, we crave it. Last month we had our family holiday. We went to a beach uh, to get away from the daily routine. And we went away for 14 days. I finally worked out that the summer holiday needs to be 14 days. Seven days is not long enough. Ten days still isn't long enough. You need 14 days. And so for the first third, you're oh, de stressing. The middle third, oh, you're relaxing. And the final third, I'm over this. I want to go home. You know, I, I, need, I need to get back to my routine. And so we actually left a day early. We wanted to go home. And when we went home, my boys were cheering. Yeah, we're back home. We're back home. They were over the beach thing as well. See, we actually crave routine. We want it. We look for it. We thrive on it. I work one day a week as a doctor. And I work with an orthopedic surgeon. And we operate. And during an operation, as doctors... We crave routine. We want every operation to go exactly like the one before. We don't like it when something new happens in an operation. We don't like it when we say, wow, that's never happened before. (laughs) In an operation, new is not good. New usually means complication. We actually want things to go the same way over and over and over again in in an operation. This is a metronome. Did you hear the groans from all the Asians in the audience? Oh, every Asian who had to learn music from their parents and every Asian had to use a metronome. It goes tick-tock, 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 over and over again. But as much as we hate it, we need it. It keeps us in time, in rhythm, to make music. And the whole enterprise of science requires that our universe is like a metronome, going tick Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick, toc, tick toc, over and over again. Here's a sheet where we have to balance chemical equations. And again, did you hear the groans ah, from all the Asians? We had to do chemistry. Now notice number three, four aluminiums plus three O2s give us two aluminium oxides. We need that to happen over and over and over again for our universe to work. We don't want it to not happen the next time. As scientists, we need the sun to rise from the east over and over again. We need gravity to always be 9.8 metres per second squared over and over again. As doctors, we need the haemoglobin oxygen saturation curve to do its thing over and over again. Otherwise, we would die. And so instead of seeing the daily grind as a bad thing, maybe we need to reframe the way we see the world and see the wonder and beauty in it. And maybe that's what the Bible really is saying. And again, I owe this reading to Kirk Patston. And if we reread it this way with his reframing, this is how it would sound like. Wow. The sun rises and the sun sets and, to, and hurries back to where it rises. And tomorrow's going to do it all over again. How does that happen? Wow. The wind blows to the south, turns to the north, Round and round it goes, ever returning to its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. How does that happen? This is the water cycle to the place the streams come from. There they return again. Wow, that just blows you away. We need to use our childlike innocence to go, wow, how does this happen over and over again? I catch the same train every day. And wow, look, it's on time. (laughs) I have a job in the city with a desk. How does that happen? And next week, I'll have the same job and the same desk. Wow. Especially with hot desking. That is a miracle now. (laughs) And I eat at the same place for lunch every day. And it never runs out of food. How does that happen? We need to reframe how we see the world, learn to enjoy the moment for what it is. It's a good gift from a good God and don't make any more or less of it than what it is. So that's the first thing we can do. Enjoy the moment. It's a gift from God. Reframe how we see our routine. And the second thing we can do is this. Worship the God who's behind all this. Worship the God behind all this. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that's that second block in our Bible reading there. Notice it says this. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may enjoy the moment, eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. So that's the first key I've been saying. Enjoy the moment. It's a gift from God. But He's the second key. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. So the first key was to enjoy the moment as a gift from God. But that can only work if there's a second key, that there really is a loving, personal, beautiful God who's behind all this and he's given us our moments as a gift. And we need to worship this God. There's a gift. There's a giver. Worship the giver. See, as human beings, this is our dilemma. This is our dilemma. We have two choices as human beings. In our daily routine, choice number one, we can look for wonder and beauty in our routine where there is none. Let's face it, this is an impersonal universe made up of random impersonal atoms, and our life is a series of events that just happen over and over again, but that's all they are, events, no more, no less, and so let's not try to impose meaning upon these events when there is none. It's an impersonal universe. Just get over it. That's choice number one. Or choice number two. There really is a warm, loving, personal God who's behind this universe. And that's why there can be wonder and beauty in our daily routine. Events don't just happen. They're a gift given to us by a providential, loving personal God to enjoy. But if there is a warm, loving, personal God behind this universe, then true meaning in life is found in knowing and worshipping this God who's behind the universe. When I was a medical student, I did my obstetrics term at Blacktown Hospital, and I would see ladies in the antenatal clinic in there maybe about 30, 40 weeks pregnant. And as part of the routine examination, we had to get a Doppler probe and try to hear the heartbeat of the baby inside. But for me, it wasn't easy. If I didn't angle the probe just right, I couldn't hear any heartbeat. But when I got it right, suddenly you hear whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. It was so loud. You wonder how did you miss it in the first place? And it's the same with our daily routine here on Earth. If we start listening, we can actually hear the whoosh, 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 the heartbeat of the God who's behind the daily rhythm of our life. The God who makes His universe predictable and dependable. The God who programs the seasons in our life. The God who allows the possibility of wonder, beauty, order and logic in our universe. And if we hear his heartbeat in this universe, in our life, we'll wonder how do we ever miss this in the first place and then we can follow him and also be in tune with the rhythm that he wants in our life. So what are we saying here? Do you remember our original question? How can I find meaning in my daily grind? And today I've argued for two things. One, enjoy the moment. Reframe the way we see our daily grind. Find the wonder and beauty in there. It's a gift from God. And two, well, if there is a God, worship the God who's behind this. Recently, our 13-year-old car died. So we had to junk it. And my parents gave us this, their 10-year-old car. Now here's the thing, this car, it does the job, it's economical, it's not flashy, it's not powerful, it's not fast, it's a very ordinary car. So there are two ways I can tell this story. Story number one, we now have a very ordinary car. It's not flashy, it's not fast, It's not powerful. It's just basically a big version of this, a shopping trolley. (laughs) So why are we stuck with this car? Why can't we have a Porsche or an SS Commodore Ute? Why does this have to be my car? So that's one way I can tell the story. But here's another way I can tell the story. Story number two. My parents gave me a car for free. I didn't do anything to earn it they gave it to me free as a gift. Now I know it's not a Porsche, it's not an SS Commodore Ute, but it does the job. It gets me from point A to point B and it's safe. And here's the crazy thing, it was a gift from my parents to me, free. And now I know I have parents who love me and support me and have my back. They gave me a gift of a car. So there are two ways we can tell this story. And there are two ways we can tell the story of our life. Story number one. You can choose this one if you want. I have a very ordinary life. I'm not super rich. I'm not super successful. Why am I stuck with this life? Why can't I be a Nobel Peace Prize winner? A rock star? A brain surgeon? Why does this have to be my life? That's one way we can tell the story. But here's another way. Story number two. I have a god who loves me. And this is the life he's given me. And all the events in my life are a gift from God. No, I haven't won any Nobel Peace Prizes. No, I'm not a rock star. I'm not a brain surgeon. But I have enough to live on. I have enough food, shelter, and warmth. And here's the crazy thing. All this is a gift from God to me. And it's just good to know there's a God who loves me and supports me and has my back and he's given me my life as a gift for free. So how can we find meaning in our daily grind while we can reframe how we see the world, learn to enjoy the moments for what they are, good gifts from a good God, don't make any more or less of them than what they are, they're a gift from God, and worship and know the God who's behind this. Sure. a there's of them, Actually, there's many of them that came through, so i got to get through this one, this is very important right from the beginning, yep. we need to know your favourite Bruce Springsteen and Taylor Swift song. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh the Taylor Swift one, is that, uh, was it, haters Gonna Hate, Love is Gonna Love, that shake, one, Shake It, shake it Off, it Shake off. It Off, that's how much I know, I don't even know the title <laughs> of the song, oh, but Bruce Springsteen, where do you begin, <laughs> like I've got 40 favourite songs, oh, I don't know, I don't know, okay. all right. Born so, to all Run, let's put that one out there. But then we move into some more uh, serious questions. Um, if you look at verse 8 out of chapter 1 you are talking mm-hmm. about, saying that inevitably we'll kind of feel wearisomeness mm-hmm. in this life. Yep. Any thoughts of how to deal with that? And also, how do you handle the whole meaningless component at the very beginning? All right, so let's begin with a... Oh, gosh. this. <laughs> okay, so the meaningless component... For those of you who have studied the Bible with a bit more depth, you know the, the original Hebrew word uh, can be translated in quite a few ways. It's heavily, uh, and so most English translations have gone for meaningless. That's not why I've chosen the topic of how to find meaning. Uh, so I'm not just bouncing off that word. So it's not vital how we translate that word. But it's much more of saying life is like a breath. It's short. It's like a wisp. And really, what does that mean if it's so short? What, what am I meant to do with my life if it's so short and so temporary? I think that's what it's really saying. Temporary, temporary, like, a, like, like, like mist, like mist, like a puff of air. It's gone. So what do I do with my life? And really, so how do I find meaning? So I think that's the emphasis in the, in the Bible reading. I think the wearisome, wearisome, wearisome comes back to how you frame How you frame, we see the world. So if you're Sisyphus rolling a rock up a hill and down a hill, up a hill, down a hill, up a hill, down a hill, then after a while you'd be weary by it because it doesn't seem like you're doing it for any purpose. But as doctors point out to me, when women are in labour, they're going through intense pain and physical and psychological effort, but somehow they get through labour Because it feels purposeful. It doesn't feel like I'm rolling a rock up a hill and it's rolling back down. It's, it's, no, I'm about to have a child. I'm about to give birth. There'll be life. And so suddenly, I don't feel weary. I'm energised by by this experience. And I think that's what Ecclesiastes is saying. If we only just see things as molecules with no good God behind them, then of course life will be wearisome because what what is the point of me even getting up this morning? It's like... Uni- university students right now are going through a four-month holiday break. It's the longest break they'll ever have in their life and it always sounds fantastic but I remember as a uni student by about January or February I was wearied from doing nothing because I think, why am I even getting out of bed this morning? I've got actually nothing in front of me for my day uh, and so that, that was wearying because it, it seemed pointless. All right. Well, this way, there seems to be about two or three, I'm going to kind of put a couple questions together. Mm-hmm. Sure. This actually goes to one of the questions there's a quote that says, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So how can we discern and enjoy the moment, yep. but then also balance that with kind of maybe doing something different? Yeah. Yes, that's right. So there, there is a tension here that we're feeling, and maybe I've only emphasized one side of the tension, but there are two sides of the tension. And I got this from Paul Hibbert, who's an anthropologist, But he uses different category words, but I I use these categories. Life is basically made up of rituals of maintenance and routine and rituals of disruption. And in life, we sort of need both. If all we have is disruption, uh, it breaks us. But if all we have is routine, it fatigues us. So we need a both end, rituals of routine and maintenance and rituals of disruption. So even with our body, we see we do that. Rituals of maintenance, well, we eat, we sleep, and we try to do that at the same time every day. And then rituals of disruption. An example is exercise. That's the whole point of exercise. It disrupts your body because as you're running, your body like, why are we doing this? Why am I running? No one's chasing me. I'm not in a race. I'm not training for the Olympics. Why am I running? This hurts. And ex- So you know the infomercials when they advertise people on exercise machines smiling? We know that's fake because if you're exercising properly, it's miserable. It's a ritual of disruption. It hurts you. It breaks muscle fibres deliberately so that you come back stronger. It stresses the heart, so the heart comes back stronger. So rituals of disruption make you stronger. uh, And and rituals of, of maintenance and routine... Just keep you sane. That's what they're for. But you need both. So if you only have this, it'll break you. If you only have this, it'll fatigue you. You see that in family life. So with our family, uh, we we like to have daily routines, eat together, ask each other how the day was. That's a ritual of maintenance and routine. But every now and then, you throw in a ritual of disruption, like a family holiday. And that really disrupts things. Like it's stress. Management, um, conflict resolution. Let's go here. No, let's go here. Let's go by bus. No, let's go by train. just like, this is breaking me. But now, but you come back stronger uh, as a family. And we see it in music as well. Do we go routine like baroque music? Boom, 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 boom. This is boring. Or do we go 20th century atonal? Uh, no, uh, uh, and this is terrible. I can't listen to this. So in the happy middle is jazz. You got to have your routine, your rhythm, your chord progressions, but you allow a lot of Ad lib and wildness in it. And I think that's life. You need a both end. We need rituals and maintenance, rituals, of disruption, uh, routine, but a bit of wildness and ad lib every now and then. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city, or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.